0: Christmas is great, until it sucks. Why? People are the worst. Join us as we discover the choice to forgive or leave things fractured. What's going on, Will Spray? (laughs) The first one was fun. This one I'm a little nervous about. What's going on, Facebook Live? How's it going, guys? In Colorado, Kayla and Sam, I see you out there. It's my brother and sister, thanks. 2018 is coming to a close. We got two days left in this year. Isn't that crazy? 2019 is about to start, and I think that there is something essential that we need to talk about today. It's something that I feel is close to my heart. It's something that I think that the world has really started to pervert for me, and it's something that I think we need to talk about today, and we sing this song a couple of seconds ago, What is Love, and like, we can have fun with it, but there's something about the title of that song that really irks me. And it's just the title in itself. It's the question, what is love? How can we live in a world where the question is even there? How can we live in a world where we don't understand what love is? And we see these things on the media. We see, we see uh, hate crime on the media. We see hate speech. We see all these things, all this hate, all this hate. I talk to students at youth group who are going through depression, who are going through anxiety, who are going through these horrible things, and it's a result of their friends at school who hate them, who, people who when they show up to class don't like them. And I think that that is a result of a world that doesn't understand what love is. That is a result of this world, and that is the exact contrast to the love that Jesus has shown us and the love that we are to imitate through him. If I were to set the stage for you this morning, I would tell you that that love is a result of selfishness rather than sacrifice. I want you all to do something for me for a second, and I want you to think about the time when someone showed you the greatest love, the time that you felt loved more than any other time in your life. It might have been this Christmas season just ended. It might have been a time that someone gave you a gift or someone gave you money when you were in need. Or maybe it was a time when someone told you that you were worth it. Maybe it was a time that a coach or a parent or someone came alongside you and told you that you could do something. It could have been words of affirmation. It could have been that night that you were lonely after a breakup or that night when your car broke down, that someone sacrificed their time to be with you and to support you. When I think about my the greatest showings of love that people have shown me, I don't stem far from thinking about my parents. I don't stem far from thinking about all the hundreds and thousands of things that they have sacrificed throughout their life to give to me, to show me love. And when it comes down to it, I think of this one moment that was pretty recent, honestly. It was when I came back but after college, I had no clue what I was gonna do, and I and I went on this mission trip to Kenya where God transformed my life and transformed my direction. And I walked through the doors of my parents' house in Denver, and I, I give them hugs and kisses, and I'm happy to see them, and I hadn't seen them in a while. And I tell I tell them I say, hey, uh, I'm moving to New Jersey. I'm gonna go work and work at Wellspring and lead the youth ministry there. And they looked at me with this look like, are you crazy? And I'm like, no, I'm not crazy. And they're like, all right, well, cool, we're diving in this. And they instantly started supporting me. They instantly started encouraging me. And they instantly started planning the trip across country that they were going to sacrifice their weekend to drive me across country and make sure that I was settled in and love me in that way. Meanwhile, that weekend that I was driving across country to be here on September 1st, my sister and her husband of a year were closing on their house On their first house. So my mother stayed stayed back and she decided that she was gonna stay and support and encourage my sister. So here's my two parents on separate sides of the country, sacrificing their weekends, their time, their love to spend the time with their children. But isn't that what we do when we love each other? Isn't that what we do when we love someone? When we think about our greatest acts of love. They all involve sacrifice. Someone had to give that big tip to you. Someone paid for that big tip that changed your day. Tyler and Christina. Hey, Tyler. Two weeks ago, I went and visited my family in, uh, last month in Thanksgiving for Thanksgiving. And it was Thursday night, and I'm sitting on the couch, and my mom goes, oh, who's picking you up tomorrow night from the airport? And I'm thinking, oh, boy, I have no clue. <laughs> Absolutely no clue. I had totally forgotten to set up a ride. And Tyler and Christina come and pick me up in the middle of, uh, at 12 o'clock midnight, In Philadelphia on a Friday night, this is what you do when you love someone—you sacrifice time for them. And there was no—they weren't worried about their convenience of it. Jason and Ava, the head pastor of this church and his wife, gave me gave up their comfortable living situation so that I could live for free in their guest room, and that's an act of sacrifice—they gave this up for me. When we take time to think about the love that we've received, we notice that when people love us, they sacrifice. So it's fair to say that if we were to walk in love, we would walk in sacrifice. In Ephesians chapter 5, is, that's the passage that we're going to look at today. You can turn to that in your Bible's phones. It'll be on the screen. But the author, his name is Paul. And his old name was Saul. He was a man that persecuted Christians. He was a man that killed Christians. And on the road to Damascus, he, and he met Jesus. And his life was changed forever. His life went from killing Christians to writing half of the Bible so he's writing in this passage in Ephesians he's writing from Rome to the church of Ephesus where he had spent some time which is the which was the uh, largest city of Asia Minor and he says in verse 1 therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God so the first thing we see here is the first word, and when I when I decided to choose this passage, I looked at the first word, and I was like, "Dang it! It starts with therefore. It means I got to do more work. I got to look back because therefore obviously means that there's something that comes before this, and what we are about to read is in light of something else." Luckily, Jason preached on Ephesians four last week, which is convenient, and when Jason's talking about Ephesians four. It's our new life in Christ now demands new relationships. So our relationships now look different. People who used to steal, you will no longer steal. People who used to lie, you will no longer lie. And this is now Ephesians 5 coming after that, saying, therefore, looking back and saying new life in Christ demands that you love differently now, too. There was an old way of loving. Now you have an example of love that you're to imitate. So we see be imitators of God as the first thing there, as beloved children. When you have this new life in Christ, you become a child of God. Just like you were a child of your father and mother, you become a child of God. And for me, when I read that, I think about sitting in the car, sitting in the truck with my dad when I was 10 years old. I think about sitting there, and this song comes on. You guys probably know it. I've been watching you. This song comes on. It goes, I've been watching you. Dad ain't that cool. I'm your, Thanks, Tyler. I'm your buckaroo. I want to be like you. and need all my food. And I think about sitting in the car with my I'm trying to get on the worship team. That was my audition. I, they won't let me. They've been, they've been saying no for months. But uh, I think about this time sitting in my car, listening to that song, and looking at my dad and him looking down at me. And I wanted to be like my dad. I wanted to grow up to be like my dad. And Paul's telling us that as children of God, you are to imitate him. Imitate daddy. Imitate your heavenly father. Now that you are children of his, imitate him. Be like him just how you want to be like your father. And something about that scares me when when it says imitate God. Because, like, I do not know how to imitate God. God is such a complex being. I have no clue how to imitate God. But Paul doesn't leave us hanging there because in the next verse he says, And walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So So he's saying imitate God, and I'm saying I don't know how. And he's saying it's okay because Jesus showed you how. Jesus came down to this earth And lived among you and gave us our earthly example of what it is like to love like God and to live like God. And he's saying that now you are a child, you are to imitate this. Man, I see so many kids in youth group that have broken homes. I see so many kids that are a result of parents that are divorced or kids at the border that are being separated from their parents. And you see these things, you see kids in orphanages and it it hurts my heart. Because of the experience that I've had with my parents. I'm like, my, I, I know the love that my parents had for me. And I know the sacrificial love that they have shown me. And I feel bad for these kids. But I would never die for any of these kids to meet my dad. See, I think Jesus had a similar idea when he was dying on the cross for us. He had a similar idea saying, my dad's the bomb.com. My dad's really cool. My dad is really cool. But I would not die for any of you to meet him. Sorry, dad. But Jesus said, my dad's a My dad is awesome. I love you so much that you need to experience the love that he has shown me. And he had the power to do it, and he did it. He died so that you could meet his father. And Jesus sacrificed because he loves us. This is saying imitate the love that Jesus has shown us. And what did Jesus do for us? He sacrificed for us without even thinking about the things that would happen because of it. Without even thinking about the sins that you would commit against him and the people that would mock him and spit at him. He did not care because you were worth it anyway. In the next few verses, Paul's going to talk, going to show us that when we walk in love, this comes in two ways. It comes in our actions, and it comes in our speech. And he does this in a way to show that they are interchangeable. He goes back and forth in these next four verses talking about actions and then in speech. And they're interchangeable. There is not one without the other. If you walk like it, you've got to talk like it too. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not be even named among you, as is proper among saints. Here he's talking about action. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is, a sexual, who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous has no inheritance of the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words because... Of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. So we see how in verses 3 and 5, he's talking about actions. And we see in 4 and 6, he's talking about our speech. And something scares me about this again. This really scary package. Um, Something scares me about this because it says, you have no inheritance of the kingdom of God. But we have to look back and we have to remember that first word of that first verse was, therefore. Because I look at this and I say, I've, I've committed some of these things. I've done some of these things that Paul is saying, you will not go to heaven if you do these things. I've done them. And I know people who have done them that scared me for a second when I was reading this. Because I was thinking, oh, no, like, I, I don't get to go to heaven. But it's therefore is the word. He says, therefore, in this new life in Christ, there is no longer room for these things. There is no room for these things if you live with Christ. Because your new life in Christ, there is not room for the two. They cannot coincide. If you have a changed life, if you have experienced the love of God, then there is no room for these perversions of love in your life. Because you, if you fully understand it, then you can't even do them. I'm single at the time, but I, I've been around the dating block a little bit. Bear with me. And us guys, we can sit around and we can joke and we can say, oh, you know, like, those chicks are crazy. You know, we all say that. We all joke that on our own time. Sorry, girls, if you didn't know that. We We make those jokes. Because at some point we wanted to watch the big football game or we wanted to watch the basketball game and our girlfriend wanted us to, or our wife wanted us to stay home and hang out. Or they wanted us to skip boys' night or come home from boys' night earlier so that we could hang out. And in reality, we think they're crazy for that. But if you really think about it, all they're looking for is sacrifice. They're looking for you to sacrifice for something for them. Show them love. They're feeling the absence of love, they ask you for sacrificial love. And that's the purest form of love that there is. So Really, girls, you aren't that crazy. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I ruined it for everybody. <laughs> but this is the same for any relationship that we're in. Walking in love is sacrificing your Friday night to watch the kids of the people who you know need to go out on a date night, even how crazy they are. It's not convenient. Love is not convenient. But how, much, how many of us are a victim of those relationships that people only do things for us when it's convenient for them? We're let down by people who never act. We're let down by those people who say, I love you, but they never act like it. They never show you that they love you. They just say it. And the love that we are to imitate is nothing like that. Because Jesus was not thinking about convenience when he hung on the cross for you. Jesus was not thinking about the convenience. He was not thinking about all the things in your life that you would do when he died on the cross for you, when he was hanging with his hands, holes in his hands and in his feet. He was not thinking about the convenience, whether you were worth it or not. He did not question it. He knew that you would steal. He knew you would cheat on your exams. He knew all these things that you would do. He would cheat on your husbands and your wives. He knew these things, yet he still did it because he loved you and he knew you were worth it. There were no limits to his love. The selfish love of this world only shows love when we get something in return. I'm only going to love you so I can get love in return. I'm only going to tip big on this bill so I can post it on my Instagram so everyone will see that I tip big. I'm going to dump money in the offering bin and then make sure everybody's looking so that people will know that I love this church. This love that the world wants to show is all self. But when we look at the love that we are supposed to imitate, it is all outward. It is all outward. Paul uses this word in his Text called flesh. He names it flesh, and the world will always tell you do what makes you happy. I I I laugh when I hear someone say, you know, like do what makes you happy, no matter what, just be happy. And I think about that, and I think about the things that make me happy. I think about the things that I don't do that makes me happy, because Paul's talking here in this passage about the things that aren't love. I love to put people down to put myself up. I love when someone does something good to. Make it look like it's nothing so that I can stand tall and I can be proud of myself. That's what I love to do. That makes me happy when I put other people down so that I can be tall. That is, that's, if that's what the world is telling us to do, then that is giving, us, giving into our flesh things that make us happy that hurt others around you. In the Bible, there's a man named King David that was a man after God's own heart, but when he gave into his flesh, he chased women and slept with women even if they had husbands, and this led to the people around him getting hurt. This led to the people that served him and the people that loved him to getting killed on the front lines of battle. So how far do we go to make ourselves happy with when we're hurting people around us? Isn't that what's more important? Is there loving people around us? When we sacrifice our actions, we're loving others. And when we're hurting others, we're not. We're being selfish. And I imagine the emotions of Paul while he's writing this. He's sitting in a prison in Rome, and he had spent some time in Ephesus. He had helped plant this church and develop this church, and this man had seen some love perversion, but he had also experienced the love of Christ, and he's writing to the people of Ephesus saying, what what are you doing? You know the love of Christ. You know what this is. In verse 1 and 2, he says, imitate God and walk in love. They knew what that meant because they had experienced the love of Jesus. Yet they're finding their own worldly ways to find their own love, to find love in selfish ways. They're they're going after this, and Paul's saying, Settle down, stop it. Hey, don't go down this road. The world will tell you and make you seem like this is the best way to live. The world will tell you to love yourself and to idolize yourself because it makes you feel good. And he he tells us in another verse here that God wants us to love our neighbors as ourselves in replacement of ourselves. We're supposed to love others as if they are us. And the Lord will tell you to love yourself above anyone else. So if our first point here is that we must walk in love through our actions, Paul then goes on to talk about lo- acting in love through our speech. Thanks. <laughs> so if the, yeah, we take a look back at verse 4 where Paul says, Let there be no filthiness nor foolish talk or crude joking among you, but rather thanksgiving. You can't do nice things for someone and then tell them they're a loser. You can't do nice things for someone, and then tell them they're worthless. In the same way that saying you love someone and not acting like it, it's the same way the other way around. I think back to this time with my mother a couple months ago, and I was leaving my house, and I love my mom. She's awesome. Hey, mom. And uh, I got to my buddy, my buddy's house, and I sit down on the couch. I'm like, you know what? I really love my mom. I'm going to let her know. I'm just going to text her and say, hey, mom, love you. So I text her, hey, mom, you're great. I love you like, you're a great mom, whatever, and not whatever, she is great, Uh, and she texts me back, and she's like, thank you, Jordan, that's so kind, like, I love you too, but you don't act like it, and I'm, you kidding me, what do you mean? So my mom's calling me out here, but when I thought about it, she was right. I know that my mom feels loved when I sacrifice my time to spend time with her. I know that my mom's love language is quality time, so if I'm not loving my mom the right way, then when I tell her that I love her, my, my words are empty. My words don't mean anything if I'm not showing her. And I think Paul's looking at it at the reverse angle here, saying if action and speech go hand in hand, then how do we avoid selfish speech? Because if we can act one way, and if we don't talk like it, it means nothing. So he says, eliminate crude joking and foolish talk. And act, so he's pretty much saying actions are cool, but act like it. And I think it's interesting that he uses the word foolish. Because foolish is a word that is absent, it means absent wisdom. It's when you could either be wise or you could be a fool. And when we know things are going to hurt somebody, we say them anyway. That's foolish talk. That's what he's talking about. Empty words. When you say that you love someone, but you, you aren't willing to act like it, you aren't willing to sacrifice for that person. That's what he's talking about when he says foolish talk. Jesus did not love us with empty words. He didn't tell us that we were flawed and then do nothing about it. He didn't tell you that you were worthless and then do nothing about it. Pointing out someone's flaws and showing them that you're better than them is not love. You condemning others and demeaning others is not loving people. Jesus didn't hate anybody to grace. We all fall short of the glory of God. Sacrificial love is sometimes putting our emotions aside and encouraging others to seek grace. It is not condemning. It is not demeaning. And let me be very clear because some of you might be thinking, oh, so we're supposed to, like, not tell anybody the truth. (laughs) We're supposed to tell somebody if they're doing something that's not right. And I'm not saying lying to someone in order to hurt their feelings or holding back in order to not stir the pot is right either because Jesus loved us with truth, and and his love was honest, and love is honest. We all know the difference between criticism and constructive criticism. We all know the result of when someone apologizes to you because they mean it versus someone apologizes to you because they think that you want it. Jesus didn't tell anyone that what they were doing was okay. He didn't tell anybody that they could be doing things differently. He didn't tell anybody that, hey, your sin's better than that guy's sin over there, so you're good, you're good, because you're not doing it the worst. He loves us, so he needed to change us. He loved us, so he wanted to show us how much, he love, had, how much love he had for us. So he came down, and he addressed us at our worst. When we take time and think about our words and how we love others, what kind of things would we eliminate in our everyday lives? What, if we were to be imitating Jesus in our everyday lives with our speech and with our actions, what kind of things would I eliminate in my life? Ways that I talk to people that aren't uplifting. It says, but rather have thanksgiving, rather show thanksgiving. If I was truly thankful for the love that I've been shown, wouldn't I treat other people around me differently? Wouldn't I talk to other people around me differently? How can our words imitate the love of Jesus, and is there anything more important? As our greatest calling as Christians is, is to love others, why is why would we do anything else? You might be sitting here today, and you're saying, why? Why would I give these things up? I love making crude jokes. I love feeling good about myself and making fun of others. My friends think it's funny. Yeah, love's cool, but why should I sacrifice all of these things? This Paul guy does not know how to have any fun. <laughs> And who's this 22-year-old sitting up here telling me how to live my life? And I understand that. And that's why I think it's important that we look back at verse 2 because I think this is the way that Jesus, this is why Jesus is telling us to do it or Paul is telling us to do it. He says, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. It's all there in the end there, fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Just like my dad crying in the car because he was so proud of me. When I read this, I imagine God looking down at Jesus. Through all the pain, Jesus is laying there, hung on the cross. And through all the pain, God looks down at him and he's saying, That's my boy. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. This is the same way, in the same way that my dad looked down at me, that he was proud of me. God is looking down at Jesus and saying, I'm proud of you because of the sacrifice that he was making. And if we are to imitate that love then we would be sacrificial for the people around us too. People would understand the love that we have been shown by how we show them love. Selfish love tells us to only love when we can get something in return. Selfish love refuses to give up, to give someone something when it's hurting, to give up something someone, Ah! Jeez, (laughs) my breaking point. (laughs) Selfish love tells us not to give something up when it's hurting the people around us. And I have this theory that if Christians were actually to show people the love that God has shown us, then people would have no question who our God was. The God that I know, the Jesus that died for my sins, the love that I know that someone has for me, that God that God and Jesus had for me. How do people not know that by how I live? If I've truly experienced the sacrificial, redemptive love of Jesus Christ, then people around me would know it too. People around me would not be able to question the God that I serve. You see, in the media, you talk, they talk about Christians in a bad way. That's because we have let the love stop at the door. If we look inside the room, we look at ourselves in the way that we love people. Is it the way that Jesus loved us? Because if we were imitating his love, then people would have no question who our God was. We need to thank Jesus for showing us the love of his father, so that we can be his child and so that we can spread his love. Who are we? Who are we representing if we're not loving the same way that he did? You're representing yourself. We see it on the media, we see love wins. And this this theory makes me laugh, but I'm gonna tell you that in fact, love already won. There's no love wins. This love wins movement is selfish acts. It's for me. But when we look at the love that Jesus already gave us, the love that already won, it was outward. This is the last week of 2018, and I think 2019 needs to be different. I think it needs to be different. This needs to be the year that Christians change how people see us. We need to show the love of Christ. There is nothing else that matters but showing his love. Wellspring this year, our mission statement as a church is that we ignite a craving for Jesus by relentlessly loving our community. That's it. That's our mission, love, 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 love. How else are we supposed to represent Jesus than to love the way that he loved? We have CKA's, Community Kindness Acts, once a month that we go out into the community and we show love to the community just to show them the love that we have been shown. And there are opportunities for you guys to do those things. But that's, as, that's at wellspring. How are we going to do it in our everyday lives? How can the people in this room do it in their everyday lives? How can you show love to the people around you, the love that you have been shown? It could be by buying a coffee for your gas attendant. It could be by picking up the trash cans for your neighbor. These sacrificial actions of love, people will notice a difference. People in your workplace, people, your family, your friends, they will notice that you are different because of the love that you are showing them. My challenge for you, yeah, I got a challenge. I didn't forget about you, Facebook Live, either. My challenge for you this year is that before the end of the year, before 2019 starts, I got, we got these cards. I should have it. Yeah, it's here. We got these cards. It says, God loves you and so do we. Seth, you got a couple of these, don't you? <laughs> and my challenge for you is by the end of this year, you would do something for someone. You would show someone a sacrificial action of love or speech. You would go out of your way to sacrifice something For someone else and show them love. And as this last song plays. As this last song plays. This might have been the first time. That you've heard of a love that was so sacrificial. This might have been the first time that you've heard of a love. That wasn't thinking about themselves. Someone who did something for you. When you didn't deserve it. And if that is the case on your way out there. There's a Bible pack for you. And in that Bible pack, there is a reading plan and there is a way to get involved. This might be the first time that you've heard of this love. And we want to celebrate that with you and we're really excited for you. Let's pray. Dear God, we are so thankful. We're so thankful for the love that you have shown us and the sacrifice that your son made for us, Lord. As we go about this new year, Lord, Help that there be no confusion of who we serve, God, by our actions or by our speech. Help us to love others the way that you have loved us. I pray for this church in 2019 that we would stay to our mission and your mission, Lord. And I thank you for everyone who has been here today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to stay connected, go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube channel, follow us on Facebook or Instagram, and if you would like to help us with our mission of igniting a craving for Jesus by relentlessly loving our community, you can find the link to give and all the other ways to connect with us down in the description box below.